ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass, the assistant to the regional manager. It is a Wednesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hello to the Hive. Hello to the first place Houston Astros. First time all season. It's kind of hard to believe that. First time all season, the Houston Astros are in first place all by themselves in the American League West. It is fantastic. The way they went about it is glorious. The way that everybody has to celebrate them in the process is fantastic. And for at least one day, you feel really, really good about your Astros. And the reason why I temper that and say that is because the race isn't over. I know everybody was attacking and saving and bringing up tweets and all those other things. But at the same time, you still got plenty of business to attend to and take care of. But it's a really, really good night to be an Astro fan and a good day the following day going into a huge pitching matchup tonight. Was that wet blanket blankers there a little no, bit? No, it wasn't. I just, I just want I everybody... Think you're allowed to decide. I, I, okay. Well, in my opinion, it's not because I'm tempering it so that we just make sure we keep the pedal down and understand there's still work to do. But you won the, the silver boot. You won the, you have the, the series over the Rangers. Um, you, pushed the, you pushed them for at least a night out of the playoffs completely. And you did it in, in just absolutely punishing form in the way you went about your business. So it could be demoralizing for the Rangers, and that's joyous. But the thing is, there's still plenty of business to attend to. Yeah, plenty plenty of business to, to tend to. 22 games left of the season for the Astros. But it's hard to believe it's the first time all year that the Astros lead the division. You hope that that continues. You look at the Mariners. Mariners playing a, a very difficult stretch here, 10 in a row on the road. They conclude a three-game series against Cincinnati a little bit later today. Maybe Cincinnati can pull the sweep. And then they have a four-game series at Tampa Bay. So it doesn't necessarily get easier. And then you also want to finish the deal against the uh, the Rangers. You want to sweep them out of South Oklahoma. And you got the fun pitching matchup tonight uh, with Verlander and with Max Scherzer. Should be a lot of fun. So the Astros go for the sweep against the Texas Rangers, who are falling apart. Jose Altuve yesterday, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. He had three home runs before the bottom of the Rangers order <laughs> even stepped to the plate in yesterday's game. He hit four home runs in a row, dating back to the the game on Monday. He had five home runs in his last six at-bats. This guy is a freak. He he absolutely is. And I know you were tweeting about it last night. And You know, everybody that, that doubted this guy or thought that this could be like an injury-riddled end of his career or the start of something less than, he's proving everybody that he is still a, a just a, a monster to deal with at the plate. And it's ridiculous for, you know, everybody used to be so enamored with a little guy that size to do what he's able to do. What he's doing, no matter what size you are, from Aaron Judge all the way on up and down, it, that is so impressive, the way he handles the bat, the power that he has, how compact his swing is, and the way he barrels up baseballs. You know, Todd Callis was right on one of his calls last night. The legend continues. I mean, it, I mean, the, the, you just keep building and adding things to a resume of legendary status for how freaking good this guy is. 
Yeah, I mean, you can you can talk. You take this many different ways. You can talk about greatest Astro ever. There's still some believers that believe in counting stats that say that he still has work to do. You can talk about where does he stack up amongst the greatest second baseman of all time. You can have the conversation of where does he stack up amongst the greatest Houston athletes of all time. But we're witnessing a legacy. We're we're witnessing an icon in sports, whether it's this city, no matter what you where you believe he like ranks. We're witnessing an icon from Major League Baseball history because he's going to go down as one of the best 10 second basemen of all time, maybe even like top five. So we're we're witnessing a legend, and we've witnessed the legend that has been Jose Altuve from the moment he was called up, uh, a guy that you know was too little, right? He was too little. He was on a, a team that was lousy at the time, losing 100 games, 100 games, 100 games. Uh, we all know the story, and then he's your best player over, I think, franchise history, and he also orchestrated the comeback, right, of the organization from being the the seller dweller in the American League, well, National League, then the American League, and then this golden era of Houston Astro baseball. So not only is he potentially the greatest Houston Astro ever, I would say that he is, but he came up whenever the team was at rock bottom and now they're at the pinnacle of where they've ever been in organization history. It's quite the story. I don't think we should take Jose Altuve for granted. And he has a game like he does yesterday. It's easy for us to to remember how much of an icon that he is. And it starts to stir up those conversations. Where is he all time? Where is he in Houston? Where is he in Astros history? Uh, but it's... Uh, Look, not to be like too romantic about it, it's an honor to watch Jose Altuve play every well, single game. That's where I was going to start. You know, we all had the the privilege of watching Akeem Olajuwon play for the Houston Rockets. And I think you get caught up in the moment so much about what the team's doing from a, a win-loss standpoint and, 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 you know, the playoffs that you start, sometimes don't take enough time to kind of cherish the fact that this is a once-in-a-generation type talent that you are watching. And I think that's the exact same thing with Jose Altuve. You know, there are all-star baseball players. There are baseball players that are above average or create legendary status within their own market. But the fact that what you're witnessing is one, with all the accolades and the way you pointed it out, one of the best second basemen maybe to ever play the game. And that's why when you take your kids to the game or when you're actually watching Astros baseball, you appreciate what he's doing on a night-to-night basis. What you need to appreciate is there may be a certain time in your lifetime when you look back and go, I saw that guy play. I saw that guy play in his prime. I saw one of the best second basemen in the history of baseball and on top of that, all the things that he means to Houston. I think it's – some people don't recognize how monumental it can be to be like in that company on a daily basis, no matter what kind of grief he gets elsewhere. The fact that he has created such a legendary status that now there's no denying nationally too. The fact that, you know, as much as everybody wants to dwell on 17 and so because of it they don't want to give all the flowers to the Astros – this dude is just, you know, he led Sports Center last night as he, as he should have. And everybody was talking about what Jose Altuve did. And and that's the kind of player that he is when you think about the golden era of Astros baseball. Yeah, there were guys that came and went. Yeah, there are guys that have been key contributors. The mainstay that was is going to be the top of the mountain is going to be Jose Altuve. Yeah, he's uh he's he's quite the the legend in Houston. He's uh, it's unbelievable how good he is. Uh, wasn't the only one getting in on the party yesterday though. You had Martin Maldonado who hit a couple of home runs off the top rope. Martin Maldonado joined the Double Don Club. Uh, that was 
cool to see. It was surprising to see. I, I kind of forgot to remember the whole Marcus Simeon thing. The, the yeah. Astros played yeah. the Rangers mm-hmm. here, and they the Rangers. The Astros won the first two games of the series. Rangers pounded the Astros in the final game. You had like the throwing incident with Fromber. You had Simeon and Maldonado that had to be separated. We learned after the game that Maldonado said it's going to be just like it was whenever you were in Oakland. And Simeon's like, "Well, I got the last laugh." Well, the Astros have a chance to sweep you. In Arlington today, and Martin Maldonado hit two home runs in a baseball game. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, he who lasts last, lasts last. I mean, when you think about this, yeah, it was all fun and games. Did you think that the, the uh, that they dotted up after the home run intentionally um, as kind of a retaliation for what happened in Houston? I don't, I don't recall. I, I watched the condensed game, and I had the Holgerson okay. show yesterday. Oh, yeah. So uh, who, who'd they hit? They hit the very next bat. Uh, they hit Bregman in the back. Right after, right after, I think Jordan went deep. Oh, so like in the seventh. Yeah. Inning? So it was like almost like you know. All right, now we're going to show you that we're we're, we're pissed off. So we're going to hit somebody. It, it seemed like right after the bomb to hit somebody. That's kind of a Fromber move. Like maybe that. That's when I started thinking maybe that's kind of a lingering thing. But then when Maldi goes deep twice, it, you know, there's two there's two schools of thought. One, yeah, that that's your sweetest revenge against Simeon and the Rangers, and at the most inopportune time for the Rangers. They're, they're getting it handed to them where this could be demoralizing in a tailspin they might not be able to get out of because they've been really stinking at baseball for quite a while now. But on the t- on top of that, when you look at it, you are hammering your yard rival and, and what it means for the standings and everything. But what I, what I didn't like was social media going, this is why Maldonado should play more. This is why Maldonado is the guy that has to be in the lineup more in the starting lineup. No, he doesn't. He gets hot every now and then. He has some pop, but his average sucks. He's not very good behind the plate anymore. He doesn't throw guys out like he used to. And the only thing you can hang your hat on is how he manages the pitching staff and, and the scouting work he does. But let's not get lost in a moment too much with Maldi in the fact that it was great for one night. It was great to stick it to the Rangers. But I don't think it changes the big picture in terms of how much he should be catching. Yeah, it's kind of annoying whenever people talk about this both ways, though. Like, both ways. Sure, like, sure. Martin Maldonado will have a, a big game. Well, this is why he should play every day. Martin Maldonado has a bad game. He should never play. Yiner has a good game. He should always play. Yiner has a bad game. He should never play. So, I, I think it's annoying on all fronts, quite frankly. Uh, I, I, I'm not really a fan of that. Now, Brightman got hit with a splitter uh, by Kennedy. So, I looking at it. Just on the pulling up the the pitch cast of it, yeah. eighty three mile per hour splitter. I would doubt it. I would doubt it. I also think it's chicken bleep whenever you hit guys in these type of games. Like yeah. if you're trailing by thirteen runs, if you're trailing by six runs, and you're throwing at a guy after you give up a home run, I think it's cowardly. I agree. Uh, I'll give Ian Kennedy the benefit of the doubt because okay. it was a splitty. Like it was eighty three mile per hour splitter. I, I don't. Yeah, I, don't I, I think, think so. Um... I think yeah, Stanton and and TK were calling it a slider, whatever it was. It wasn't a dead, you know, forcing fastball coming, you know, right in between the shoulder blades. But at the same time, because of the history, yeah, because of kinda, what it went down, this velo seems kind of light for a splitter, eighty three. Yeah, it seems more like a curveball, doesn't it, or a changeup? You, you see, yeah, they were probably right. It might have been a breaking ball. Yeah. That seems pretty. It doesn't seem like it's got great velocity on no, the splitter. The only reason eh. why I, I thought about it was just because of what what had happened and what's already gone down this year. Yeah, and because there is some bad blood between these two teams, so you know you can you, you can do whatever you want if you're the Rangers. But essentially, what was it? Twenty seven runs in the last two days. I mean, you look at the scoreboard. That's all you need to know. Like we are absolutely owning you. And you know, the night before when CJ Nitkowski finally screamed "Uncle" when they were just pounding them the first night. I mean, and if you heard what they were doing on their broadcast, it was a freaking joke uh, how, you know, woe is me and upset and whiny they were. 
But at the same time, some of that was incredibly overrated. I mean, it, it, look, the one comment got run all over social media, but I was watching it after a while because the Astros were you know, well in hand, and I figured this is what they were going to do. And it's just like, come on, man. Act like you, you should be there and you, there's, you know, that your team is good enough that you don't have to worry and, and mope and do the things that they were doing, but it is what it is. The, uh, I thought Fromber was good, too, in a game that's it's difficult to pitch in these types of games because you have long half innings, you have the long up-downs, you, you, you get a you know blowout, you're up 9 nothing after the third inning. It's, it's very easy to kind of lose focus in those types of games. And I don't think he was at his best. He gave up six hits, he walked four, although I think, I think he's kind of doing that on purpose a little bit now. Not that you want to walk, guys, but I think he's trying to nibble more than just living in the middle of the plate. I thought for the game that was yesterday, I thought Fromber was good. I thought Fromber was good in a, a tough environment, a tough game script to pitch in. All of the runs, it's easy to coast. It's easy to put your like pull your foot off the gas. You had the long half innings. I thought Fromber did his job. He did. He really did. But I think that also, Jeremy, I was going to ask you what you thought about this because in watching it, I think whatever the game plan was going into the game, when you have the outburst that that team had over the first three innings, you change your 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 approach. You throw, a, a, you know, a, a, I was watching some of the pitches, and then I think later on in the telecast they actually mentioned it. But he threw just a, a, t- a ton more fastballs than he normally does too because he knew he had such a big lead. Sure, you want to keep your ERA down. Sure, you'd like to get a quality start out of it. But at the same time, you're riding high on a comfort zone with a pad and a cushion that you know you're probably not going to lose if you just have your stuff anywhere near the zone. And maybe that changed his approach a little bit. But, yeah, he wasn't, like, A-plus game. But he did everything he had to do to show that, you know, in the playoffs or against good teams, and you mentioned how well the ball carries there, and that's a really good offensive lineup, that he even without his A-plus game, he has good enough stuff to control a good baseball team. Seven one three seven eight zero esp and HRP listener line. What do you think of Jose Altuve, huh? 713-780-3776. We have a busy show. Why the face? Lee Sterling's going to be joining us uh, a little bit later on in the program. No to Lee Sterling today? Oh, today's Wednesday. All right, why the face Wednesday? Texans at four as we continue to count you down to the first game of the season for the Houston Texans. But coming up next, Jose Altuve is better now than he's ever been offensively. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. Where does Jose Altuve stack up amongst second baseman all time? Uh, I think he's better offensively than he's ever been. Eric we, uh, texted us, 713-780-3776, the HRMP listener line. The Twitch is wanting me to do this. Uh, the Twitch is remembering whenever I said Jose Altuve's uh, past his prime. Look, I, there's two different things. I think Jose Altuve is better now offensively than he's ever been. I don't think that Jose Altuve is as good an all-around player as he was in 16 and 17. He didn't have the full game now than he did then. He used to be a pretty good defender. He used to be a much better base runner. You remember he was still in you know, 30, 35 bags a year whenever he was finishing third in MVP, first in MVP. And if you look at war, and not to get completely nerdy in war, 16 and 17 were the only years he's ever had a 7.5 or better war. 
he's never been above six in any other year. Like 16 and 17 are going to be the best years of Jose Altuve's career as an overall baseball player. Now, if you want to push back and say his offensive game now is better than it's ever been, I will agree with you. His OPS right now, 969, would be a career high. Now, 68 games, probably not going to get the plate appearances to qualify, things like that. But a higher OPS than he's ever had in a single season in his career. Okay, what about the OPS plus? That neutralizes all the years and the factors, all that stuff. His OPS plus right now is better than it's ever been. I'm not going to give you he's better overall than he's ever been in his entire career, but offensively, I'll concede that. Jose Altuve right now is better offensively than he's ever been. See, and that's the right way to position this because I think the other thing that people lose sight of is is the fact that as good as he is right now, and right now he is on a burner, he is on a hot streak, and and it may be something that in a lot of ways what we saw last night really solidifies the fact he's doing something we've never seen an Astro do. But at the same time, to be what he was back then, he's got to do it for a full season. He's been hurt for the majority of the season. So it's hard to say he's back when you have to factor in 162 games and playing the majority of them. And then could he do that for an entire season? Right now it doesn't matter because you're getting ready for the most important time of the year and getting a guy that looks as fresh and really as as on his game as Altuve is is exactly what you need. And, and, but at, at, in terms of is he back to that form of the past or can he get there and surpass it? That's when you have to see it over a full season to say he could go back and do it again because wear and tear matters, and that many games matters too. Yeah. They, now, he was also really good last year offensively, though. Like, he's he's mm-hmm. reinvented who he is as an offensive player where, you know, early in his career was high batting average, did not walk almost at all, didn't slug a ton, and then the MVP years, it's okay. Well, I'm going to lead the league in batting, and now I'm going to hit 20, 25 home runs. Now it's, look... I'm going to draw my walks. I'm still going to get a high at, like he's hitting 321 this year. It's absurd. Yeah. I think he's been he's obviously he's really really good. The shift rules help him a little bit too cuz you can't shift him. But 321 average, but he also slugs. He hits. He's got 15 home runs this year in 68 games. Like he he has incredible power, uh which early in his career didn't have. Started to see more of it like in his MVP year in 2017, his MVP year, and then the year prior to that where he finished third in MVP. Now he'll draw walks. He still hits for average. You know, his still steals some bags. Like his base running is not very good, but he'll steal some bags on you still. But his the way that he's reinvented his offensive game is amazing. The fact that he has better OPS this season than he's ever had in his in his career is amazing. At the age of thirty three, with the injuries that he's had, it's well, and quite frankly point, incredible. To your point too, it used to be that you know he was going to get two hundred hits and he was going to hit three hundred, but he really didn't have those those eye popping like especially for a second baseman like home run numbers. And then you think about it last year, and he had to actually really dial it in the last month of the season to hit 300. And the minute he hit, he got to 300, that was it. They, they, they pulled him out of the game and said, end of season. And he ended up hitting 300 with, what, 30 bombs? The fact that you're getting 30 bombs and, and a guy that hits over 300 at second base helps you kind of, not that it's easy to do, but helps you look past some of the, the falters this year of a guy like Abreu because your second baseman adds so much to your lineup and yeah. he's batting in the leadoff spot. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Juan, you're in the high with the Killer Bees. What's up, Juan? I'm not a big baseball guy myself, but I can appreciate uh, seeing generational-type players. I was lucky enough to see Altuve and, um, you know, Aaron Judge. So I, I'm i not a big messy guy myself, but I I can appreciate and be thankful for seeing 
actually a record-breaking goal from Messi in uh, NRG at the time, I think, stadium um, at the time, 2016, I think. I Ronaldo that myself. So, how to they, whoa, whoa, how to they, whoa, whoa, he's from Venezuela and short like Abuela, how to they, whoa, whoa. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Appreciate it, Juan. I don't know to, whether to think that that was radio gold or we need to throw that in the trash as quickly as we can and delete that. I'm not sure. It's one of the two. Was that gold? Was that trash? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I don't know if that was good or bad. I can't tell. It's definitely one or the other. I think it was half ass. That was that was Steelers fan I mean, one. Now in Denver one. Was that him? Yeah. I, oh, okay. I, I could tell by the voice. Yeah. All right. But uh, I thought. I mean, I mean, if you're gonna go for it on radio, I think that was half assed I think he had to bring it a little bit stronger and really try to carry the tune a little bit. <laughs> Joe actually maybe could have dropped the instrumental behind it, but just that kind of that little, that lack of presentation hurts him. I don't know. I to to to, to sing on the air like that. The, I like that. He's got the stones, but I don't think he has the pipes. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not the pipes. <laughs> yeah, that's the easiest way I can put it. You might. You might. You might. Uh, I think that's a good way to put it. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I was pulling some of the numbers on where Jose Altuve might finish up his Major League Baseball career. And one thing that's going to cost him whenever we look at where does he stack up amongst the greatest second baseman of all time. He he gets dinged for his defense. Like, if you look at defensive war, he, he's a career negative in defensive war. So he's going to get dinged for his defense. I will go as far to say that Jose Altuve will be a top 10 offensive second baseman all time and a really good chance that he's a top 5 offensive second baseman all time. I, I don't. I don't have any problem agreeing with that. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I went back and watched the uh, the interview Julia did with him and Miggy, and and just took some some of the little subtleties that were in that interview. But you know, the fact that I think that most people believe he really just has to stay healthy. I mean, if he can stay healthy, and obviously this year brings you some concern about if he can do that. But for the most part, if he can be reliable and healthy. I think there's a guy that has shown you so far the drop-off hasn't happened. The guy actually, like you said, has reinvented his offensive game to where he actually brings more to the table because of the pop numbers. So, yeah, the defense is lacking, and we know the arm isn't even close to where it was, and when it it was at its best, it wasn't great. No, it's always average at best. And then because of the size and everything else, it's tough for him to make any throws near the bag or deep into into the hole at second. So you're not really putting him in there counting on the Pena-type defense. You're really putting him in there because you know he, he really isn't going to – he's not going to hurt you defensively, but, boy, is he going to help you offensively. And the punch that he still has with the ability to still hit for average, health is the only thing that I think derails any anywhere near him getting into the top 10 and top 5 for all-time second baseman. There's been four second basemen with 3,000 hits. Eddie Collins, Nap LaJoy. Charles Cra- play. Craig Biggio, Rod Carew, and then Rogers Hornsby was like, 70 short. Home runs, there's only been three that have reached 300. And I think Altuve is going to get to 300. Mm -hmm. He's at 207 right now. I think he's going to get to 300. So I think there's a really good chance that Jose Altuve will be one of five second basemen to have 3,000 hits. I think he will be one of three second basemen to finish with 300 home runs. Jeff Kent's the all-time leader, 377. Robinson Cano, Rogers Hornsby. Biggio is nine shy, finished with 291. If he played at Minute Maid his whole career, he would have had that easy. Yep. Uh, Ryan Sandberg, 282. Joe Morgan, 268. So, like, I look at the best offensive second baseman ever. Like, Hornsby's there, but it's tough to tell, like, what Hornsby would have been now. Eddie Collins is obviously there. What would he have been now? Nap Joy there. What would he have been now? Charlie Geringer? Who knows? Rod Carew is definitely on this list. Joe Morgan's definitely on this 
list. I think Craig Biggio's close to being a top five, seven, but, ten offensive second baseman. Jose Altuve's in that category. Jose Altuve's there is. with all of those guys. But the thing that t- I think is the tip of the cap to him that helps him, that hurts the other guys, is second, we were talking about this with catchers the other day. He's been second base his whole career. Biggio was a catcher and a, and a center fielder as well. Carreau, I, I don't Carreau. know if you can ding Biggio for that because those are tougher positions. Carew too. Carew was a first baseman. Carew, you know, for the, a, a lot of his career, I would say more than playing second base. Rod Carew was known as a first baseman, Minnesota and the Angels. So you could you could ding Carew for that. Like I'm not dinging Biggio because like catcher is a tougher position than second. Center is a tougher position than second. But for, like if a guy played first base for but, but, half of his career, I, I I agree with you. But here what I, but the only reason I'm saying it though, Jeremy, is the fact that yeah, Carew had more games at first. Than he did yeah. Second. So, but but the reason why I bring that up is is because I want to consider the best second baseman of all time. And if you've played multiple positions, especially if you played one more another position more than you played second base, yeah, are you truly one of the best second basemen? Like Carew, I think is one of the best hitters in the history of the game. But when you look at it. I didn't think he was a second baseman because he didn't play as many games as he played at first. I mean, you can make the case he was a first baseman. He played more games mm-hmm. at first than he did at second base. Now, Biggio played a majority of his games at second. Like He bounced around, but a majority of his games at second. I consider Biggio, I mean, versatile, but a second baseman. Joe Morgan, a second baseman. But Altuve's going to be in that conversation. Jose Altuve could be the, let's see, how many guys have 3,000 plus 300? Nobody. There has never been a second baseman in history with 3,000 hits and 300 home runs. I think Jose Altuve has a realistic chance to be the first second baseman to ever do that. You know what that does too? Might be the might be the best offensive second baseman ever. Uh, and you know what that does? It erases all the BS that people are going to want to bring up about seventeen and, and trying to keep him out of the hall. You do something like that, that monumental, you're not keeping that dude out. No matter how much you're going to get the crotchety, gray, blue haired, old school guys that want to put the you know stamp their foot down and say he's not getting in. You do those kind of you put up those kind of numbers, and there's no denying it. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. You have Jose Altuve where? A lot of textures want to get on this. Daryl will get to you on the other side as well. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer Bees, ESPN ninety seven five, ESPN ninety two five. Hey, right now I'll tell you about the good people at my bookie. My bookie is ready and waiting for you with all of football and the NFL starting this week. The full season ahead of you, college football every single week, and you're looking for a place to make all those games a little more interesting, you go to mybookie.ag. Why? Because if you use the promo code BET975, you're going to cash in and get bonuses. If you've never signed up before, once you do at mybookie.ag, there's going to be a place for a code. When you put in BET975, they're going to put more money in your account as a welcome bonus to say, hey, more money in your account, more games you can bet on, more chances to win as you get comfortable with the site and love putting your money down, and getting into games at mybookie.ag. You've been on the site. You have an account. You want to reload it? When you reload it at mybookie.ag and use that code BET975, you're going to get a bonus too. They're going to put more money in your account because you know how to handle your business, but it's always more fun when there's more money to play with. So therefore, they're going to take care of you that way too. And if you're looking for things other than football, of course, there's baseball heading down the stretch and into the playoffs. There's soccer all the time. UFC when the matches are on. All the different sports, when you want a place to bet on it, it's right there. And if there's not sports to bet on, but there normally is, and you want to play some casino games, live dealers standing by when you want to play blackjack, when you want to get into card games, they're there for you as well. It's absolutely fantastic. It's why it's the only site that I tell you to go to. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag, and that promo code is BET975. It's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next bit of brilliance with Joel and Jeremy. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. Texans place Titus Howard on IR. 
Uh, so minimum four games missed for Titus Howard. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. This Altuve conversation, we're not gonna, we're not going to leave Jose Altuve talk after he hits three home runs in his first three at bats yesterday. Four homers in a row and five of six at bats, and the Astros pound the Rangers. We'll get to that offensive line conversation later. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Daryl, you're in the high for the Killer Bees. What's up, Daryl? How you doing, guys? Uh, like the show, listen frequently. I would say Jose Altuve is the greatest Astro of all time, and it's not even close. Twenty three postseason career home runs. A stat I heard today: number two all time. If all goes well, he'll be making he'll be number one here in a few months, and uh, you know Bagwell Biggio love him, but postseason wise, they never they just did not perform well. Daryl, you talking Altuve, bad about the killer bees? When the heat's on and it's on, it's you know uh, the, the Astros see it, the guy performs great. Appreciate it, Daryl. Thank you, thank you for the call. I asked him a question. He just didn't miss a beat. Didn't even acknowledge me. Bashing on the killer bees. Dialed in though, man. Um, I posted some stuff on Twitter today at Jeremy Branham. We're going to talk about most of it later. I was surprised with the pushback that I got about Jose Altuve not being, we'll just say it for now, the best Houston Astro of all time. There, there was a vocal minority that thinks it's Jeff Bagwell. And they're going to point to the counting stats. They're going to point to the all-time homers. They're going to point to, you know, Bagwell has more hits than Jose Altuve. They're going to point to the OPS, all of that, although a first baseman with a higher OPS better be higher than the second baseman's OPS. I understand that Bagwell's regular season career numbers, he has the volume over Jose Altuve. I understand that his play, like his regular season OPS, is better than Jose Altuve's a regular season OPS. I don't think it's fair to just disqualify their positions. Jeff Bagwell is a first baseman; he should slug more than Jose Altuve, a second baseman. Sure. But to me, it's the full body of work. Do regular seasons matter? They absolutely do. Do regular season accolades matter? Yes, they absolutely do. But you also have to decide how much value you're going to put in postseason success. That's you know to each individual person however much you want to value that and you also have to put the value in championships look when we talk about players careers whenever they're done when they're retired and we have them back on the show what do we talk about two-time world series champion you know one-time mvp jose altuve uh jeff bagwell yeah you want an mvp but we're not going to mention the world series title so all of those things matter it's like an algorithm and you're deciding the weights of which ones matter more than the others and for me personally I do put more weight in postseason success and championships that you're bringing back to the city. Well, Jeremy, the the easiest example and the most recent example, so we don't go too far back in history for some people to feel like that really doesn't count, is James Harden. James Harden won an MVP. James Harden was called by Charles Barkley and others the greatest offensive player he had ever seen. James Harden couldn't win diddly in the playoffs. James Harden's biggest criticism, and there are some others, but the main criticism is his failures and his ability to disappear when it mattered most. That's not what you're going to say about Altuve. Sure, he had some bumps in the road in the the playoff runs, but when you needed him, he was always there. When he guided his team, he guided them all the way through. He did the things not only as a leader that a leader would do for the team, but he led by example, and, and more times than not, he was one of the driving forces behind everything you achieved in this golden era of Astros baseball. That's exactly what you want. It's the combo platter. He's not done with hits yet, so we don't know where he's going to finish in regards to Bagwell. All those stats are still up in the air because his career is still being played out. But at the same time, when you look at the the 
I want. I, I'm, I'm going to try to be as delicate as I can. I'm not trying to bash Bagwell here. No. Yes. This is the. This is the problem. With like all-time great conversations is like let's just have the premise that they're all great yeah because you start to like well Altuve's better because of this Altuve's better because of this Altuve's better because of this oh you think Bagwell sucks no no he's a no. hall of famer exactly so I'm trying to take that away from him and he has an MVP too but but at the same time winning it all matters winning it all and and winning playoff series and doing it in dramatic fashion the way he continued to build his legacy off of Chapman to overcome all of the BS that John Boy started, to wait to all the different things that they tried to single him out when everybody that knew knew he wasn't one of the those guys doing what they were going to do or what they were doing. So when you look at all those things, he stepped up big every time people tried to step on him, and the most important times were in the playoffs when they needed him most. He came up massively for you and led you to victories. Whether he got an MVP trophy out of it in the playoffs or not didn't matter. Yep. And that's what he puts. You know. All things considered, you put your stats on the table, you put your resume on the table, and then you put the hardware on the table. The silver sluggers, sure, they matter. You know, the all-star appearances and all that. When you put those true trophies on the table, too, and say, this is what I did, there's no denying it. Memories matter to me, too. And, like, you're going to have more memories of Jose Altuve, who has the second most home runs in playoff history behind only Manny Ramirez, than Jeff Bagwell hitting a home run on July 7th. The Chapman home run is going to live for the rest of every Houstonian's life in terms of greatest moments in Houston sports history, yep. because it happened against the Yankees, it happened in dramatic fashion with the was the bases loaded to send you to the World Series against a guy and a team that was constantly trying to kick you in the nutsack, and here you are. And honestly, because of it doesn't social, matter. I don't think the bases are loaded. But it doesn't matter it's, because it's, of it's social no media. That gif is going to live forever. Twice, yeah. like that. That moment's going to live forever and ever. He hit the he hit the home run in Game Six against Chapman. That was that I think was the that one was, to send him to the World Series. I think that was nineteen. I think they lost the World Series that year. That that was the year they lost to the uh, the Nationals, I believe. Didn't he also have a walk off slam against Chapman? Uh, I don't think so. I think he said two. He had a walk off grand slam last year in the regular season against the Yankees. I don't think he hit a walk off grand maybe, slam in the playoffs. I thought I don't he had think. two bombs against Chapman. Altuve hit a walk-off grand slam, I think, in the COVID year. And then he hit a walk-off, too, I think, in the 19 ALCS against the Yankees. Opposite field right center. In 19, it was a two-run walk-off to send the Astros to the World Series. Altuve. Altuve versus Chapman. And that's where the gif comes from, where Chapman kind of smiles. smiles. But then he got him again after John Boy said that he used the buzzer. That was a regular season game. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was against the Yankees. Yeah, it was it definitely was. it was the Yankees. It was a, he had a walk off grand slam been, against grand the Yankees slam. in the yeah, regular yep, season yep. into the Crawford boxes. Yep. Yeah, he absolutely did. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Back out to the HRP listener line. Frank, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Frank? Hey, what's going on, guys? Great show. Uh, so I want to touch base on something. I'm from Houston, grew up in Houston. Love the Astros. Biggio Bagwell to me. They are the Astros. Hall of Famers, right? Nolan Ryan was great while he was here. J.R. Richards. Nobody knew J.R. Richards. I mean, the only people that are associated with the Astros before Altuve, Correa, Springer, everybody did their thing in 2017 was Big Joe and Bagwell. But you guys just spent three minutes recanting all the home runs and accolades that Jose Altuve conducted in the postseason. Let's not forget when we were down by three runs in that game where he hit a three-run home run off well, the Kinta Maeda to left center where he hit the gas pumps. That was huge. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the one he hit off of Chapman, you know, he's got all these, these accolades that 
I'm sorry. I watched Jeff Bagwell. He was my favorite player growing up. I have two pages of Jeff Bagwell baseball cards. I couldn't tell you one time where he hit a crucial home run in the postseason. And that's, that's from somebody who really liked him growing up. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, yeah, everything you do in the regular season is fantastic. But the best thing about the Astros in 2005 if you had to go down that roster of players, you're going to go, what, Beltran, you're going to go Roger Clemens, you're going to go Roy Oswald, you're going to go Andy Pettit. How far down that list did you have to get before you touch Bagwell and Biggio? 2017, 2019, 2022, you ain't going down that far for Altuve. He had a bad postseason until we played the Yankees, and when he came out of it, he was great. You guys talked about his arm not being phenomenal. I believe he was the one who backhanded that ball up the middle against the Mariners last year and threw out Julio Rodriguez, one of the fastest players in the game. So I'll take his arm over Jeff Bagwell's broken shoulder any day. Doesn't mean <laughs> Jeff Bagwell's not a great player. I'm just saying maybe because of the expectations that he had playing right next to Carlos Correa, who had a cannon attached to his right arm, and Jeremy Pena, who has a great arm, you know, maybe it just kind of looks down upon him and he's better than normal, just not on par with those shortstops. But that's just my thoughts, guys. I'll shut up in this. Good stuff, Frank. I mean, Altuve would be the first one to tell you to have a strong arm. But, but your other points are spot on. Like, the 05 World Series team for the Astros, Bagwell was an afterthought. Like, he was almost a, like a courtesy to DH him against the White Sox because he was not healthy. Yeah. He retired oh. that offseason. Like, he was not healthy in the 05 World Series. And Biggio was still, like, fine. But you're right. He wasn't one of your better offensive players. And he was over the hill by the time he got to the World Series. I mean, the peak years of Bagwell, Biggio, you know, late 90s into the early 2000s. And they had tons of postseasons. They just didn't have a tremendous amount of postseason success until you get the help of Berkman, until you get the help of uh, of Carlos Beltran. So I'm right there with you. Look, the, the, what you do in the postseason matters. Does Bagwell have more of the counting stats? Does Bagwell have better regular season numbers? I'll concede that to you for now. Uh, but Altuve, you throw in the playoffs. You, you, to me, it's Altuve. Uh, a couple of texts here, 0446. Altuve's numbers are headed towards the neighborhood of Robbie, uh, Robbie Alomar. Used to spit in the face of umpires. If he gets there or close or passes him, he's a no-brainer in the Hall of Fame. And then you have this other text from 6100. Can we please stop referring to Altuve as the future Hall of Famer? I, I'm kind of where 6100's at here. I think Jose Altuve's a Hall of Famer. Like, does he need to add to his body of work? Maybe. Uh, maybe. And then you have 5639. Those crotchety old baseball voters could absolutely keep Altuve just to hold a grudge. Look at Blond, uh, Bonds and Clemens' numbers for days, but still not in. It seems like Altuve's kind of won over the Riders. I don't think that the Riders are going to hold Altuve back forever. I don't think he's a first ballot guy, quite frankly. I think that because they're crotchety, old baseball voters, uh, get off my lawn kind of guys, I don't think Jose Altuve will be a first ballot Hall of Famer because of yeah, that. Yeah, it won't be because of the stat. But I do think Jose Altuve gets into the Hall of I think he's a second ballot Hall of Famer. I think that I think before you would have had a pocket of old school voters that would have done whatever they could to keep him out. I think now the only thing they can possibly do is do what you just said. They can do enough to keep him from being a first ballot Hall of Famer, but there's no way they're going to be able to keep him out of the Hall. I just think that if he's on the trajectory he's on, and sure, there's still work to do, but if you just look at it, as long as he stays healthy, his ability with longevity playing a position like second base and the way he's reinvented his offense already to do more, there's no reason to believe that he won't be playing six, seven years, that he couldn't average 160 hits a game. And the only thing that could derail that is health. So as long as he's healthy, he'll get there. He'll get to those numbers. But I think that voters are going to try and send a message whichever way they can if they still feel a certain way. 
Now they can't keep him out if he keeps doing that, but I do think that you're right. They're going to try to keep him from being the first ballot. I, I still think there's a chance it plays out differently because most of these guys we're talking about, they're going to be dead, just to be honest. The writers, you mean, that vote? Yeah. yeah. Like, Fair. the biggest proponent of keeping Jose Altuve out of the Hall of Fame will probably be Evan Drellick. Does he have a Hall of Fame vote? vote? I bet you by the time Altuve gets in, he will. I Honestly, I disagree with you. He's not covering the beat anymore, is he? But they changed they changed the rules on that a little bit. I don't think that I don't think that he would honestly, and I don't know Evan personally. All I know Evan is from you know breaking the story of sign stealing a major league baseball issue. Let's remember the entire headline, and then reading his book, "Winning Fixes Everything." Based on reading his his work, I think he would vote Altuve. Yeah, he'll, he'll keep Altuve because like I don't I don't see these most of these old guys who kept out bonds like. I, I hope they don't have votes by the time Altuve can get in. They don't. They shouldn't have their votes now. Drellick will be the first person to tell you that this was an, a Major League Baseball issue. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. So I don't think that he would have he would keep Altuve down. In fact, like his book, Winning Fixes Everything, he, he speaks pretty highly of Jose Altuve. Um, wasn't it Reddick that came out too and and just tried to solidify it once and I mean, for all and validate Ot- all, Altuve wasn't? Yeah, Correa did. It. Yeah. Reddick said the Dodgers were cheating too. Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, the more, the further and further we are removed from this, the more and more evidence we have that this was a major league baseball issue. That's what I've been saying all along. The scapegoat. It's not going to meet the timetable of the fan base that wants it to happen yesterday. But at a certain point, you're going to get guys on the teams that were actually doing it to corroborate the story and admit to the fact that it wasn't just the Astros. No matter how high of a level you think they took it, as opposed to everybody else. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN, the HRNP listener line. Just a few days away from Texans Ravens on Sunday, the Texans are handing the keys to the organization to rookie quarterback CJ Stroud. How do you define success for CJ Stroud in his rookie year? The Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five, ESPN ninety two five. Razor Blunt Commentary, delivered with a special purpose. What's happening to my special purpose? It's the Killer Bees, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5. Blankers, Branham with you. Uh, CJ Stroud's going to be your quarterback one for the Texans on Sunday when they take on Baltimore. How do we define success for CJ Stroud in his rookie year, Blankers? You know what? I hate to go back and regurgitate some of the stuff from Davis Mills, but it's more important. It's it's a guy that as much as, for me, the fan base is focused on wins and losses, it's a guy that shows progression, that shows that it's not too big of a moment. It, it shows he has a grasp of the offense. It shows he can he can move this team down the football field. He can make the right decisions. He can continue to have the touch on the football that he has that Mills doesn't have. He can get better at the things that people question, that people wonder if it, those are the kind of roadblocks that will keep him from being a franchise quarterback. And those remain to be seen. But I think that as long as he makes progress, we've already highlighted multiple times how rookie quarterbacks starting for the first time struggle in their first season in the NFL. That is to be expected. But at the same time, you can still show progress. You can still you know, show and make plays and sustain drives that make people believe you are the guy. To me, it's about our feelings towards him. Like, we're going to look at some of the projections. Uh, Jermaine Every does great work for ESPN975.com sports map. He had some projections for, like, the top five you know, key players for the Texans that we'll take a look at a little bit later. But to me, it's beyond the numbers. To me, it's how we feel about C.J. Stroud after the season. And honestly, it's going to be a roller coaster. Let's, fr- let's be frank. Sports usually are up 
and down, ebbs and flows, and rookie quarterbacks are, are going to have trouble being consistent. Rookies in general are going to have troubles being consistent. So would it shock me if C.J. Stroud has a lousy performance in a couple of games this year? Absolutely not. Like if he has an, a, like a 12 for 20, 150 yards, no touchdowns, a couple of picks. I expect him to do that a couple of times as a rookie quarterback. I just had those expectations. Not because I think Stroud's lousy, because I right. think rookie quarterbacks are going to have some stinkers their first few years in the league. I also think C.J. Stroud's going to have some games where he goes 20 for 26 for 280 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and no picks. Because rookies are inconsistent. We're going to see the highs, we're going to see the lows of C.J. Stroud in his rookie year. How we define success with C.J. Stroud is if after the season we think we have a franchise quarterback on our hands. It's the same same thing with Deshaun Watson, and that's the last time we had a true first-round quarterback like Davis Mills was the third-rounder. Some people tried to make fetch happen with Davis Mills. It was never going to happen. The Texans, kind of similar to C.J. Stroud, traded up for Deshaun Watson. He beat out Savage eventually, took him a half of the first game to beat him out. Deshaun Watson showed some flashes his rookie year. Now, he got hurt, which stunk, but we left that season feeling like Deshaun Watson was a franchise quarterback that could lead the Houston Texans to the promised land. Not because he was like unbelievable statistically. Same thing with Stroud. I don't expect Stroud to be unbelievable statistically, even though Deshaun was pretty good. I don't expect Stroud to put up huge numbers. I don't expect Stroud to win the rookie of the year. But after 17 games of 2023, we sit back and we look at C.J. Stroud and we think about what's ahead for the Houston Texans franchise. If we think he's a franchise quarterback going forward, then his rookie year was a success. Yeah, look, remember everybody remembers the Seattle game against the Legion of Boom. He put up massive numbers. He impressed the hell out of everybody. But it, they didn't win the game. They, they, they didn't win a lot of games. But he, he, that's what we're, I think we're both on the same page on this and just you know, yep. putting it out there a different way. But the fact is, is if you go into the offseason going, man, I remember the, the throw he made here, the drive he, he orchestrated there, the way that he was able in a big moment to not cringe under pressure, and, and even if the guy doesn't catch the ball, if he puts it where it needs to be, if he makes the right decision, people are going to remember those kind of things and say, okay, this dude's got it. Like, let's get let's get him some help. Let's get him some receivers. Let's continue to build a young squad around him so he could do what he could do and then let him cook. Because the fact is, is that if he shows you that he's not too big in the moment, whether wins or losses come or don't, you're going to see enough and know enough and be able to grasp onto enough to say, yeah, he does or no, he doesn't. Yeah, I think one thing, too, like we'll notice is when the season ends, like how high the expectations are right away for next year. Like if CJ's solid but has like those big moments and you say okay in the perfect Texans offseason like mine you get T Higgins this offense is going to be top 15 top 12 in 2024 2025 and they could be a playoff team next year like that's right away when you know that you have a franchise quarterback also like we can tell the temperature of the fan base gets kind of out of whack a little bit like that will just be a good sign and hopefully something we see I can say this Joe I I think that to your point, what's really going to be evident in the barometer and how it's going to be measured is, are we ta- are we seeing more progress at the end of the season? Or are we seeing like the, the, the strides that Jeremy was talking about at the, early in the season? Because what you really want to do is see him peak at the end of the year. Yeah. That's going to take you into the offseason with the greatest boost of confidence and the feeling that you got your guy. Like If he does it early in the season, but then falters late and starts making mistakes, people are less likely to give him the flowers and the sunshine as it, as opposed to if the dude you know struggles early on, but at the end of the season he's clicking, they're doing some things, they're putting some more points on the board, they look like they're getting it, then people are going to be hyped up for the offseason. I think that's why it's not the numbers because like in that scenario, what if what if he gets 
70% of his numbers in his first 10 games. And then his last seven games are just lousy. Like, we're going to feel differently about Stroud than we did the first 10 weeks of the year. So it's about the context, like the context of how the season goes. And for me, it, it, the wins matter absolutely zero. Like, I, if he wins three games, if he, was, if he wins seven games, I can see scenarios where seven games he doesn't look great, three games he does look great. Like, it kind of depends on the defense. It depends on how you're winning and losing games. Uh, you would think that automatically, will Texans win seven games this year? Of course, we're going to feel better about C.J. Stroud. What if they're winning 10-7 games? Like, what if yeah, what if they're winning 10-7 games and he's throwing two picks? Whereas, what if the defense isn't as good as we thought and he's just lighting it up and the Texans are losing shootouts? So, Another record thing. does not matter to me, and honestly, the numbers don't matter to me. Now, touchdown interception something that I always like to look at, and then completion percentage, too. But, like, yards, don't really care. I expect him to throw a fair amount of interceptions. Hopefully, he has more touchdowns. Uh, and I do care about the completion percentage. But also, like, how does he look against the blitz of the NFL over 17 yeah. games? Well, like, how does he look the first four weeks yeah. without Titus Howard and Juice Scruggs? How does he look the next 13 games after that once hopefully, you know, four of your five offensive linemen are actually playing instead of two? I'm almost willing to burn the first four games of tape right now yeah. because you don't have a real center. Because, I mean, Good I point. love Josh Jones, go Cougs. He's never played left guard in the NFL, in a regular season NFL game. He's played left tackle, right guard. He's probably going to start at left guard on Sunday. Who, whoever's your center, who cares, right? Like Jarrett Patterson's a six-round rookie, or it's Kendrick Green who you acquired for a six-rounder and did not play in a single regular season game last year. And then George Fant's your right tackle. Like I, I'm Because you're not getting Titus. He's on the IR for four games. Juice is on the pup for four games. I'm willing to just burn the first four game films right now and not use the first four games to evaluate the career of C.J. Stroud. Now, awesome. he just now if he looks good, healthy. that's the thing. I'm, I'm talking from a negative point of view. Because if he looks good with that offensive line, it's like, oh boy, we got a dude. Yeah, but here's the problem. If you, you're willing to throw the tape out, but because of that makeshift offensive line, if he takes some, some hits, if he gets beat up a little bit, now, now what if he's suffering through and fighting through injury in week five? You know, I hope it doesn't happen. I don't want it to happen, yeah. but I do worry about it because we've been there. We've lived through the David Carr era, and we, we know how bad the damage was done there. But I think when you're talking about Stroud, yeah, he showed in the first <laughs> preseason game when everybody's coming at him, he can at least make the smart decision to get down. He can use his legs when he has to. But at the same time, you still worry about the fact you're throwing him out there when games matter because you want to win games, and you're throwing him out there, and he doesn't have the full compliment in front of him. I just got an email from the suits upstairs. Dave Raymond, Texans Rangers TV announcer. Saw that. He's going to be on with John and Lance tomorrow morning at 9. So make sure you're listening to the bench tomorrow at 9. Dave Raymond's, or Dave Raymond, everybody's favorite announcer is going to be on with John and Lance tomorrow at 9 a.m. You're not going to want to miss that. I can't. That is, that's appointment radio right there. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, mean, you know what we're going to do tomorrow? We're going to have mean text of Dave Raymond. We're going to go back and pull the 15 minutes he's on with the bench. We're going to have mean text about Good Dave idea. Raymond tomorrow on the air. Well, because you know what? When you, Lance is already setting it up by saying that, you know, if you can't see the tongue in cheek, hear the tongue in cheek, and you can't think that he's kidding. So we'll see, because I think Granada will go at him a little bit. He was definitely kidding. 713-780-3776. Texans at four. Next on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.